Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Robert along with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. And if you're new to the show, we welcome you to the party. 45 years in journalism between the two of us, over 35 covering sports in the H. If you don't know, we've been around for 10 years as a podcast coming up on our 10th anniversary here in just a few months. And before we celebrate an Astros weekend sweep, Sean, we got to talk about these QB S2 cognition scores that just came out in the last few days. This is the new sexy talk in QB draft evaluation. And Sean, Bryce Young scored 98%, not a surprise, but lots of buzz about CJ Stroud, who scored 18%. Let me say that again, 18%. That's one eight percent What's your reaction? When does this SAT leak? When does the ACT leak? <laughs> you know, we need more. We need more context here because there's so little we know about the S2 cognition scores. You remember how long it took for us to kind of get a grasp um, and put whatever stock into the old school Wonderlick score. Well, the S2s now that these scores have leaked, I mean, I don't know. It's not good. <laughs> you know, I just got through telling you a little bit ago, I wish we could, you know, play the old audio bite uh, from a few days ago when Jackson Smith and Jigba was on Von Miller's podcast boasting about how smart his quarterback was. And Von Miller was going through all these hypotheticals was like, hey, what if you and CJ Stroud wind up on the Houston Texans together? Oh, man, that'd be great. He's such a smart guy. And, you know, he knows this, that and the other thing. Well, According to this S2, football smart, maybe not exactly there. But again, we don't know that much about him. I just know it's not a good look right now. Does it change your opinion about him at all? My opinion of C.J. Stroud is that he's a really, really good college football player. Me, just like everybody else that at least is honest, <laughs> you know, and not a self-proclaimed NFL talent expert evaluator, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's even even the smartest guys on TV or radio or these writers will tell you like, hey, it's a crapshoot. And those are the ones that I respect. And from a football sense, like without any projection, all that stuff, like I just see a dude that really loves the game of football, that really likes to compete and knowing just some of the backstory, like how far he's come. Um, in terms of his football stock, where he wasn't a very highly touted recruit, and he just kind of slowly developed into the player that he was. And look, when he had the opportunity, he played one of his best games on the biggest stages. Outside of that, it was like, okay, the only argument you could really make against the guy at the point in time was, well, that's really uncharacteristic. That's not the kind of player he is. Well, it's the kind of player that he needed to be in that game, and it worked really well against one of the toughest defenses in the entire country in Georgia. So I look at that, and I like it. Is it a perfect situation for him to come to Houston, Texas as a number two overall pick in the second best, best or the second quarterback taken? You know what? You could do a hell of a lot worse. I'd almost I'd almost say at this point in time, I feel so good about the coaching staff uh, assembled here in Houston so far without them having done anything. I'd be hard pressed to say that it wouldn't be a great situation for anybody to come into. So, hey, if that's what the Texans do, I love it. I would respect the pick. If that's not what they do, I'd almost respect the Texans a little bit more just from what we think we know, just so long it doesn't come out that, uh, you know, they take like Will Levis or something like that at number two, where I don't think it would be warranted, but we'll see. 
Yeah. Loving football, wanting to compete, all that stuff. You know, I just, who cares? I, I feel like all these guys are, are that you, you don't hear anybody going, well, we don't know if this guy loves football. These quarterbacks tend to, if you, if you've been competing on a high level in college football, I, I think you kind of love the stuff. Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know what I mean when I say that. I mean, let's not pretend that Kyler Murray didn't have a clause in his contract and was one of the only ones that at least was made public that we heard about that had to have a study clause put in there and taken it, out because but, it leaked. But there's a difference between loving it and, and working hard, though. Well, if you're working hard, you're loving your craft. I mean, this is literally all you get paid to do. So, you know, not to mince words or, you know, get into semantics, but that's exactly what I mean is if you love it, you're working hard at it. You're working to be the very best. Yeah, and I, I, I just, I, again, I haven't heard anything about any of these guys. I mean, we're talking about, do you want to take any of these guys? And, you know, we've heard all of them have a great story. All of sure. them tell you how great they want to be. They want to be the best ever. I mean, this is a consistent fact. And, you know, what you, you, you sure, have a, to deal with whether you believe them presidential or you don't election. believe them. You know, you, we hear, this is what I want to do, you know we're going to build this wall or we're going to make this stronger. We're going to make this better. You know, no more taxes, <laughs> whatever. I'm going to be a really good quarterback. I'm a great leader. I know. Yeah, sure. Um, so we'll see. That's there, why there's, I say there's, money. there's the, money on the line here. They're going to tell you what you, what you want to hear. The, sure. the other two S the other S two scores that matter. Will Levis scored 93%. And I feel like that, that's where it gets real interesting yeah. because everybody's, you know, here's CJ Stroud that the Texans aren't that interested in. And here's Will Levis that the Texans maybe are interested in. We don't know, but it's 18% compared to 93%. Anthony Richardson, not shabby, 79%. Hendon Hooker, not really all that good, 46%. We know Hendon Hooker's offense was very much a color-by-number system as opposed to Will Levis's, which is a pro-style offense. So that's where you sort of have to parse this stuff, Sean, and try to figure it all out. You know, props to Will Levis. You know, it's a good look for him. He's another one of those guys like Anthony Richardson, uh, who I believe scored a 76 on the on the test, um, whose stock has risen, you know, really ever since the combine, since their pro days. It's been a really good stretch of the, of the last two months uh, for those two individuals. Bryce, you know, hasn't really swung too much. He's kind of been right there, number one, and uh, kind of come down to, you know, a team's preference. But with, with a guy like Will Levis, you know, I'm going to go like uh, Stephen Smith right here. I don't know if I like a guy that eats his bananas with the peel on and eats it backwards. I don't know if I like a guy who puts mayonnaise in his coffee. That just doesn't speak to me as a leader of a football team. You know, I feel like that's what he would kind of say. Hey, I, I liked Will Levis, you know, from a football sense, what I saw at the combine. Another guy kind of like Anthony Richardson, who I saw just kind of go out there and let it hang out. You know, like, hey, here, this is what I can do. You know, I'm going to show out a little bit, take it or leave it. Here it is. And I, again, I pointed to more. Maybe that's exactly why Bryce Young didn't want to do, you know, everything at the combine, because he knew where he stood. He knew there wasn't much or if anything at all to gain, that he was the consensus number one and that everybody else's stock was going to do this. You know, for a couple of guys, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, two stud athletes, you know, with the bodies, the arm strength, they were going to have their opportunity to show out, show what they could do with their footwork and the whole thing. And it worked out great for them. And it made this a real conversation, at least inside of the top few picks in terms of where these quarterbacks are going to go. For Bryce, I think he always knew. 
if it's going to be the Texans, if it's going to be the Panthers, whoever else, whoever moved up to that number one spot with the Bears, that's going to be me. You know, right now, that's that's really what I believe. You know, I was watching this fascinating YouTube breakdown of Anthony Richardson from the ringers, Ben Solak, who mm-hmm. is a former guest on our show, by the way. And I'd recommend yeah. it, John, because Solak really explains what Richardson's strengths are and why there's upside for his ability to process reads and go through progression. So like says, Florida emphasized him passing down the field instead of the short passing game. And if you're throwing downfield, you're not going to be as accurate, which explained his completion percentage. And Sean, you wonder if he had more than 13 games and worked in a different offense. And I, and I want to stress that if he worked in a different offense that wasn't trying to maybe go downfield and, you, you would be talking about the fears about his inaccuracy there. Yeah, I mean, it, ma- it makes sense. It makes sense. Sometimes I feel like we get, and I, I, I know the point you're making, but I just say this. Sometimes I, I feel like we, we concentrate a little bit too much on what they were doing in college and the projections. And these are quarterbacks. Hypothetically, they've been in, you know, a multitude of different systems to this point in their life. You know, whether it be middle school, high school, they've been to a college or two different systems or even stayed at the same one, maybe had a couple of different offensive coordinators, whatever the case might have been. Or maybe, hey, the coordinator stays the same, but he wants to change, you know, his game plan or the scheme a little bit. I don't know. Like, if you're a dude and you're smart and they've clearly all got some very special athletic ability because they were at some really good programs and we're talking about them as being, you know, top 10 picks. They're dudes. So I, if you go to this system, that system, whatever, we're going to put all of this confidence and talk these guys up, like even a Bobby Sloak. Let's just take, for example, like he's an NFL offensive coordinator. He's never called a play before in his life as an OC in the NFL. But he's going to have the opportunity now. Gerard Johnson's going to be the quarterback coach for the Texans. He's going to have one of these four or five guys, whoever it is, Hendon Hooker, Levis, Richardson, whoever it is, Stroud to pick from and coach. If they're worth their salt, they're coaching them up. They're taking what they do really well and applying it to the system that they've brought in. And they're going to make that work. They're not going to mold these guys to their system 100%. There's a little give and take. It's just trying to figure out what they do really well. It's no different than teaching. That is that is the art of teaching. You but know, I, I get, hold on. I, I get what you're talking about here. I get, okay. Like if you get a great coach, you can make these guys, you know what we find out a lot of times? In the NFL, guys either get it or they don't get it. And uh-huh. I, 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 you're telling me that, you know, the genius of Bill Belichick, oh, he, he was, he's a genius. What, look what he did with Tom Brady. And then look what Tom Brady did another place with other guys. And uh-huh. then look what Bill Belichick has done with the quarterbacks that he's had the last few years. It's not the same. The guys have to have talent. You know, they're, they're, they have to have the well, brain. I didn't say they, they didn't. I, they, I, I yeah. Just... yeah you're, and you're also saying these guys are dudes. It, mm-hmm. Was Will Levis and Bryce Richardson the, the? I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Will Will Levis and Anthony Richardson are are these guys dudes? Because if you look at what they did in college, the numbers are not anything special. Whereas Bryce and CJ, those numbers are special. Those numbers sure, are special. That's, that's where you have to get into a deeper conversation. And at this point in time, I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody. And to be quite frank, like I haven't heard any NFL expert, you know, get the sort of knowledge information that I'm interested in, which is, hey, these head coaches and offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches that 
Anthony Richardson, Will Levis particularly worked with in college, was that the best system for them? You know, were they overcoached? Or there are too many expectations placed upon them. And you have to factor in all of the other things in the equation that we've been discussing in terms of Levis. Did he have the talent around him? On top of that, he was playing injured. On top of that, you know, how good was his offensive line? On top of that, like, what about this offensive scheme that they were running? Maybe it wasn't a great fit. What about Anthony Richardson? He had a couple of really good games. A lot of it he flashed with his feet. You know, did he have the best scheme? you know, to throw the football in? Did he have the best talent? Wasn't a very good team. You know, like these are all things that you have to weigh. And I just don't know. But I'm telling you, if you're an NFL coach, like I fully expect you to be able to take a sensational athlete, which these all of these guys are. And in the case of three of the top four, excluding C.J. Stroud here, just putting all the stock hypothetically into this S2 cognition score, which says you're not very smart at football, at least quick decision-making. Three of these top four guys should be able to really coach them up and do something with them. Is that going to take a year, a few months, a couple of years? Is this a three-year project before we see the fruits of their labors at the next level? I don't know, but that's the timeline. Is it always not um, you know, Patrick Mahomes doesn't come out gangbusters, you know, in the first season. Aaron Rodgers didn't come out gangbusters, but he sat a couple of years. I mean, all of these situations are different. So we want results right now. We're going to grade these guys two hours after they're taken. <laughs> you know, we're going to grade teams drafts already. So I, 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 I don't know. I just, I think, I was listening to a hypothetical earlier today. All right, if the Texans don't take C.J. Stroud um, or if they don't like any of these quarterbacks, what about trading back with the Indianapolis Colts? Wouldn't that be the perfect scenario, the perfect situation for the Texans? If you don't like a quarterback, then give the quarterback that you don't like to the team in your division. Let them get stuck with that. Well, that just means you didn't like them. It doesn't mean that the Colts, you know, are idiots for taking that guy. Maybe they've got the best system suited for that individual like C.J. Stroud. Maybe they've got the best coaches suited for C.J. Stroud. I, I love it when you know? I love it when you 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 radio guy. I'm going to call you you radio guys. I love it when you radio guys are like, I heard somebody say, was it was it XG643 on Twitter? Like, no, I don't care what anybody says. It's like. It's conversation. Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. It, yeah, it's conversation with some Joe out there. Like most people, you know, most people understand that like if you're giving a guy in the division or a team in the division the second pick, then you're giving him a chance to to find that right guy. I mean, yeah, it's whatever. I mean, it's like just w- wake me when this thing is over with. Just I, I just want to have a final thought, though, before the draft on Thursday, because I want Texans fans to just take a deep breath. And remember, Sean, that D'Amico Ryans has just as much pull, maybe more so on who the Texans take with that number two pick as Casario. But don't underestimate, underrate new OC Bobby Slowick's voice in a QB decision in the end. He's the one who has to work with a new quarterback. Sean, we always like to put these decisions on one person, but there's a typical debate uh, that goes on with multiple voices, Casario, I know we want to blame everything on one guy, but he doesn't have the power to go against a mass opinion, not with where he is in this organization right now. If you think they're still mulling over what they're going to do, I think you're wrong. The draft is on Thursday. Today's freaking Tuesday. Isn't it Tuesday or Monday? I don't know what day it is. It's the week of the draft. If you think they're still trying to figure out who they're going to take, it's BS. <laughs> they know. 
<laughs> you don't need that long. Like they know they've been through the processes, interviews, read files, watch tape, all this crap. Like they know what they're going to do going in if it's clean. Well, they know, what they know what they want to do, maybe, but they also have like multiple plans because sure. I don't think the Texans, this isn't this isn't a draft where you're sure about the number two pick. So they have plans about trading down, trading. Well, up, it depends on pick. what you what you plan for is the phone call that you don't know you're going to get yet. You know, so if nobody calls you with anything that, you know, meets that bar that you've already set for you, then you know who you're taking at number two. Is that guy Will Anderson? Is that guy Tyree Wilson? Is that guy C.J. Stroud? Is that guy Will Levis? I don't know. I'd presume it's one of those four. My my point, though, is just like let's everybody wants to. I don't trust Casario. Like, what is he going to do? Look at this. He's big on Levis. If he's big on Levis and they want to draft Levis, I guarantee you that D'Amico has to sign off on that decision. Sure. Guarantee. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's uh there's anything to really say to that. I mean, you know, you're getting a credible head coach in here. And I, I say that I know the guy's never coached as an NFL head coach a game before in his life, but uh, this is the most credible guy that uh, you brought in since the early days of Bill O'Brien. People were seemingly excited about that. Um, so sure. They're going to be on the same page going into the draft. I don't think there's any question about that. Now here's an interesting question. You know, do you think, that you would be comfortable if as an organization with D'Amico and Nick on the same page with Cal and Hannah and the whole bit, this organization's on the same page. Would you agree with that? They've put a higher value on a defensive player versus any specific quarterback in this draft. Even let's just say if Bryce is not taken number one, if the Texans stand pat, make that number two pick, and they go Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson. Are you comfortable with this organization believing more in a defensive player than any specific quarterback in this class? It's, would, that's it's a bunch of decisions, Sean. Are they going to trade up from 12 and maybe get a quarterback maybe. Uh, a few picks later? Are they going to, you know, are, are they going to trade for a quarterback after the draft? Who are they going to trade for? Would they trade for Lamar? But that, would you trade but that for that raw emotion? Else? That raw emotion. Once number two is done, I, 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 I don't want to go into the next season with Davis Mills or Case Keen. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I, I just well, don't feel comfortable. Who does? Who does? That's a giant popcorn fart. I mean, you didn't bring D'Amico Ryans in here as a head coach after the garbage three years that you've been through to ride with Case Keenum or Davis Mills. I have a $100 bet going with my father-in-law for some reason. Maybe he's just trying to help me out. I don't know. But I think he firmly believes this because – for the 10, 11 years that Case has been in the NFL, I've had to hear this Case truther stuff. And I love Case, covered him for a few years at U of H. That was my first gig. But I have a $100 bet with my father-in-law who thinks Case Keenum is going to start week one for the Houston Texans. And I can't say it more. I've blew in the face talking to this guy. D'Amico Ryans was not brought in to be the head coach for Case Keenum or Davis Mills to quarterback this team. They're going to get a quarterback, and they are going to start week one, period. It's Shut going it. to happen. Is there any way we can move this up a week or two? The, I'm talking about the NFL draft. Should it be the weekend after the Masters? Why do I have to talk at this? I, like, are, Isn't everybody sick to death of talking about it? No, I think no. people get burned out at about this point in the process. Like, like and the other part about that is why can't we get these guys drafted quicker so – 
we can start the process of it. If you get them in a couple weeks quicker, it's a couple more weeks that you maybe get a chance to work with them and get them prepared to play oh, no, in, in the organization. I, I just hate the fact that this thing gets dragged out when there was, there's literally no need for this thing to get dragged out. You know, I, I guess it takes up space. I don't think it takes up space uh, on television and, and, and conversation, but I just feel like, I feel like people just, they start to tune out at about this point in the process. Cause it's like, everybody's made up their mind. I mean, we, 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 this goes back to the, ah. you know, to the combine, everybody's sick of it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is now the news this week because he just got traded to the jets. Well, that to me is going to be way more interesting this week than anything on the NFL draft. Would you say? Ah, I don't know. I mean, if there was one thing you knew, it's that Aaron Rodgers was going to get traded to the jets. He wasn't going back to the Packers. You just didn't know what he was going to get traded for. Like, that was like, all right, hurry up and get this done. What you don't know is really, gun to your head, what's going to happen the night of the draft. Maybe beyond one. That's like the one, if you want to call it a lock, call it a lock. Bryce to Carolina. Outside of that, you have no freaking clue what's going to happen. Texans, really, they're on the clock. You know, in some on some level, the Texans have been on the clock longer than anybody else whether it's been one or two that's it as soon as carolina traded up to number one with the bears you kind of knew uh and you know we'll see if we're all right but i mean i i think as long as this plays out every year in a draft like this where it becomes intriguing to the in the sense that you know there's not a really clear-cut guy or guys that you can predict that are going to go one two three boom 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 um you get the conversations, the hypotheticals. I love it. I love talking about this stuff. I mean, it it it, it drives me crazy at times. I, I just you, yeah, you want to know. It's but fun it's for like a, the first month after the season, or the first two months after the season, or maybe it's fun the first week or two after the combine. But it, I, I guess I'm the I guess I'm the weirdo. I'm like I am so tired of it. It's like it's like one of those things that's been in the news cycle too long. You know, one of the news networks just goes. Yeah, we've talked about this for the last five days. Let's find the other, the, the next news thing in the news cycle because we're we're bored and the people out there are bored with this. I mean, yeah, there's there's weird NFL heads like you that love this and want to talk about it every single day. You got you, Sean Bajani, can talk about this like twenty four seven. Like you're you're probably having conversations with your three year old about it. You know, you're talking, to. you're you're calling up your your uh, your your wife's friends right now and like, hey, you want to talk draft? And I'm just like. Man, can we just get it over with? I want to see who the Texans have. I want to figure out what they're going to do next year. Let you know that that's ah. wherever I go, and I go a lot of places. I got a lot of jobs. I move around. I see a lot of people. the The first thing I get asked or that comes up is, "Man, what are the Texans going to do with the draft?" That's what everybody wants to know, and everybody's got their their thought, their their uh, solution. And that's the fun part is hearing all of the different solutions. There's not take CJ Stroud, duh. No, it's they get creative with it. And you're like, some of them, man, what are you smoking? And the other ones are like, huh, that's really outside the box thinking. But, you know, think about this. It all like, depends on which draft, though, you're talking about, because this particular draft, there is one, intrigue because yeah. there's like there is no consensus on anybody yeah. in this draft. Whereas exactly. we've had other times where. You know, everybody's just like, yeah, it was, you know, it was definitely interesting. The Mario, Reggie Bush, Vince Young draft, because nobody could figure out what you do right there. And he either could the Texans. I mean, it, that was a real, but there's drafts where, hey, Peyton Manning, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, they're the first picks. Like, what's the, what's the intrigue there? You know, yeah. like, 
I, we're, well, that's what we're taking. I'll, I'll say I'll say this. You know, uh, I mentioned like I gave you this scenario with trading back with the Colts earlier. That the guy that I actually heard that from uh, was Landry Locker from Sports Radio six ten on in the loop today. And you get to a point, and you know, not a shot at Landry. Smart guy, loves football just as much as anybody else, if not much more. Um, the problem is, you get to this point, April twenty fourth, the draft three days out. Some of your ideas become kind of silly. So trade back with the Colts. You're going to stick them with C.J. Stroud, right? <laughs> or Will Levis, whoever it is, okay? Um, I love how everybody expand, knows exactly what these quarterbacks are going to do. And as we exactly. talked about, Adazium shot is that, like, nobody knows anything about – I That's keep telling everybody, though, nobody like, knows quarterbacks. Nobody, 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 nobody. You don't exactly. know. That's my point. It's – you can – you have to take the Texans' shades off a little bit, you know, and be like, okay, so you're going to stick the Colts with the guy that you don't like because all of a sudden, you know, the dumpster fire of an organization that hasn't done anything right the last three years all of a sudden is the smartest team in the room and is going to stick this – team within your division with these slaps at quarterback and god forbid they become the next peyton manning or andrew luck or tom brady whoever you know what i'm saying and it's just like that was the part of the conversation where i was like hey th there's the yeah but you got to get to the yeah but what if what if you're not sticking the colts with cj stroud or will levis or whoever it is what if you're handing over the keys to the car and saying, hey, drive this division home for the next 10 years. Yeah, go and go, go have that conversation with Landry. We're, uh, the, my my viewers and listeners, we're, we're too smart for that crap. We Like, let's just get the quarterback that we could use and let's move on with it. That, but you don't know who it is, and I don't either. So yeah. we'll wait and yeah. see. Yeah, we don't know, but hopefully you would hope that the team knows what they're doing, and that's what you you know, and you hope that. And then we'll that, buy into it, just that, like the you hope that one are. that one of these guys is is that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just in just a few seconds, I, I want to give you some love, Sean, for a prediction that you made a week ago. But first, just a quick reminder to subscribe and comment on YouTube. Listen on the run with your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us too. And uh, Sean, you said the Astros needed to play the tough teams, and then they'd start winning some games you nailed it five out of six against the blue jays and the Braves. good job yeah I, I you know if you're gonna give me props give me props for jake myers too um because you know he's he's been a big part of what the astros have done uh over this eight game stretch you know where they're six and two since he was in starting to the starting inserted back into the starting lineup um he's hitting 357 he's hit safely in seven of eight games he's on a six game hitting streak um, he's a very big part of what they're doing, along with, you know, guys like Corey Jokes, obviously Mauricio Dubon, Jordan is being Jordan, Tucker's mashing as well. I mean, these guys are starting to come around. Um, and that that was really my my large point is, okay, you're going to get to this point of the season where you've got a couple of three turns through the starting rotation, where teams on both sides, they're making these adjustments. They're trying to figure out in this game of chess and um, – well, when you're talking about a team for six, you know, five straight years, six straight years, you know, has gone to the ALCS championship and played multiple World Series and it's coming off the championship. I tend to believe that that team does a better job than most in finding a way to adjust and identifying those things that they need to do better and pointing out some, you know, holes in a swing or tipping pitches or whatever the case may be and fix it. 
And the Astros have certainly appeared to have done that again um, in a very good division. Man, go look at the standings, Robert. I mean, I'm sure you do. Man, the AL East and the AL West, um, two of the very best divisions in baseball right now. And knock on wood, you know, a lot of the star players in those respective divisions are healthy and contributing and playing really well. Uh, I'm looking forward to this season because – told you for a long time, I want to see a battle. And I think, uh, again, you know, we're going to see just how, just how creative, how aggressive, demanding Dana Brown, the Astros general manager, is going to have to be ahead of the trade deadline to kind of keep pace with these other ball clubs that, you know, went out and spit gobs of money and got some really great talent in there to compete for exactly, um, you know, that World Series title that the Astros currently own. Jordan Alvarez, his OPS with runners in scoring position this year is over 1,500. Yeah. In his career, Sean, it's 1,026. Uh, I, I'm out of words. I'm out of words. I mean, he didn't hit his peak yet. <laughs> you know, he's still getting there. And I, I talked about this with you. Uh, I think you, 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 me, and Steven did a show a couple weeks back when we were talking about Jordan. And he was like maybe a day or two removed from hitting his 100th career home run. And I said, man, you know, from a historical perspective, what are we looking at here? How fun is this going to be? Um, he's the fourth fastest player to 100 career home runs. What are we going to be talking about in the next three years, four years, five years, seven years down the road with this guy? And just like you have no idea, you know, who the Texans are going to take or what anybody's going to do in a draft. We have no idea what we're going to see with this guy if he's able to stay healthy, man. Um, he's special. I was listening to somebody talk uh, on the radio earlier today, and I heard Pete Rose, Rod Carew, and Ted Williams. So those those three guys mentioned in like a meshed comparison. Like they think Jordan has some traits of all three of those guys. You know, the power of Ted, uh, the command of the strike zone. Um, you know, like like Rod Carew and Pete Rose and the ability to hit to all fields like Pete Rose did. And I'm like thinking, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I mean, if you could design like the perfect player and oh, by the way, he's got pretty good arm, too. And he's not bad defensively in left field. If you wanted to trot him out there literally every day, you'd feel good about it. If he had two great knees on him, um, he's he's just that man. It, it, I don't need him to be, be the perfect left fielder, but. He's he's just about as perfect of a hitter as you can get when he's on. We said this last year. Uh, I think you were in, agreement, in agree, agreement with me. Had Jordan, when he was really mashing, man, bef just towards the tail end of the regular season, and obviously he did what he did in the postseason, but he reached Barry Bonds' level of fear for me. Like, I think pitchers looked at him. Now, they weren't intentionally walking. I mean, it wasn't happening, and it's never going to happen again, I don't think, in the history of the game. Uh, walk with the regularity uh, that Bonds did, you know. But where he's walking with bases loaded and stuff like that, that'll never happen. But I think in terms of, like, how the hell am I going to pitch to this guy? Where am I going to put this ball that he can't mash it? Um, I think he reached that level. And when he's hot, he is at that level. He's just that good, that special. Yeah, you you made it, or whoever you, you were listening to made it way more complicated with this Rod Carew, part Pete Rose, blah, blah, blah. I said it a couple of years ago. The guy that he reminds me of, it's very simple. He is a left-handed Albert Pujols. 
And I don't know if he can really get that much better because it just, he looks like Pujols and that he came into major league baseball. And we don't see this very often with guys. He came in, it seems like fully formed. He had the strike zone. He knew how to go to all fields. He had the power. He was already hitting for average. Mm-hmm. He he is Albert Pujols in so many ways. And I, I got a chance to see Pujols back in AAA when the guy was coming up. I covered him with the Memphis Redbirds some 23 years ago yeah. and watched that guy start to de- develop. And unfortunately, we, we got him for all of a month or two out in AAA. And then, boom, he went up to the major leagues. And it was unbelievable. And he looked like Albert Pujols when he was in AAA at age 20. He looked like that guy. He had the shoulders. He had the forearms. He had the strength. Yeah. He was just that guy. And that's basically who Jordan Alvarez. And the only question to me with, between Jordan Alvarez and Albert Pujols is can he stay healthy long enough to put together some sort of career as, as Pujols? And hopefully he doesn't have the drop off in his last decade the way Pujols did. But, you know, he might not have it in Houston. So who knows if that matters at all to us. But, you know, I, I, I hope he can maybe have it together for a lot longer time well, than Pujols. And hopefully he doesn't get signed away to a team within your division either. <laughs> well, yeah, like the Angels or something. But uh, Pools is a is an interesting comparison. I, I and I from a professional hitter in in just his style and the fear. Yes, I think it's spot on. For another reason too, I hated, hated, despised Albert Pools's smirk at the plate. I just you know if there was ever a guy that had the most punchable face in the history of sport it was albert pools i just really? wanted to take a metal chair to his face i couldn't stand the guy um, you know wipe the smirk off your face uh, you know just leave me alone you know because he killed us and he was a thorn in the astros side but jordan alvarez doesn't have the smirk but he's got like he's got the same you know manner he has a mannerism when he's at the plate you ever notice he does the little right hip twitch you know, it's almost like Matt Wolf, the professional golfer, um, you know, who has a little funky hip twitch before he swings. And it's totally unorthodox, but it works for him. And the guy mashes the ball. Nobody hits the ball farther than him, you know, on the tour when he's on. And Jordan's got that little right hip twitch. And when he does it, you just feel like something special is going to happen. You know, the guy's going to hit one 440 <laughs> to dead center. And whenever Poole stepped in the box, he had that stupid little smirk on his face, and you hated him, but you knew he was going to do something special, especially if it was in a big moment. And more times than not, against the Astros, at least, it seemed like he did. Um, but again, yeah, you're right. You know, If you want to compare him to Pujols or even a big poppy, somebody like that, just that level of fear with the feeling of something great going to happen, you have it with Jordan, and it will. If he's, if he's healthy, you know, for the most part, the better part of his career going forward, it's going to be a long one, I hope. Yeah, the smirk. I, I, I don't. I think you're just inventing that in your head. Because no, not he, everybody. No, absolutely. He, he would not. kill the Astros. Hated pools. No, 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 no. If you want to talk about smirks, let, let's talk Joe Kelly. You know, uh, uh, that, that's he's not even on that level. He's a little pipsqueak. Who had, well, like, he's not on that level, but he's got the he's got a much more hateable smirk. Joe Kelly does, and you know the Astros. They've got their own smirks, and it's not Jordan Alvarez. It's Alex Bregman. I mean, if if. If you were an opponent of Alex Bregman, trust me, his smirk would get on your last nerves, and 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 Bregman's cockiness, you know, oh, yeah. all that 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 would definitely get on your nerves. Yeah, Bregman just, is the guy that you're glad is on your team. Like you know, Golden State Warrior fans probably uh, used to talk about that. They probably still do. Like they would hate Draymond Green 
if he was on somebody else's team, but because he's on the Warriors, like you absolutely love the guy, but he annoys you a little bit. Bregman doesn't annoy me at all, but um, even with his smirk or cockiness, I love that. You know, it's very rare you get a guy who's just that dialed in, who knows what he knows about himself um, and, and, and performs the way that he does. And, but if Bregman was on like the Rangers, God forbid, yeah, we would despise him. He would be like Raphael for call, maybe 2.0. Like you just want to punch the guy all the time because he's so good. Yeah, Lenny Dykstra back in the days before your time. But he was yeah. a guy that, that I remember people, Lenny. Yeah, people didn't like uh Lenny's smirk and cockiness and all that. And and that's a lot there's a lot of Bregman in Lenny. Bregman's a much, I think, nicer guy overall. Like he doesn't have all this stuff in his closet and he's a He's a little bit more, right. I think, smoothed out than Lenny Dykstra was. Oh, Lenny Dykstra yeah. has got a lot of issues and all that. But, uh, yeah, definitely that's that's the guy that I, I think of when, with Berkman and, and, and the sort of smirk and the cockiness and all that kind of thing. Also, got to mention before we uh, close things out, Nick Nurse is, you know, now going to interview with the Rockets, another head coaching candidate. It's somebody that we anticipated was going to interview with the Rockets, that he was going to leave Toronto. It's now a done deal. Mm -hmm. So the Rockets are going to interview yet another former championship coach. That is with Vogel championship, another championship coach. you got Udoka, Finals. Like Nick Nurse, the the Rockets fans are big into Nick Nurse, and I, I feel like he's got like this edge amongst Rockets fans because – he was in the Rockets organization, or at least, you know, with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers back in the day. So for some reason, they always feel like he's our guy. But if you're asking me, all things being equal, take away Udoka's baggage of whatever happened, you know, in the organization beyond basketball. Udoka to me is like, he's such a clear alpha dog. You know, he comes in with all of the, all the stuff that you need. Nick Nurse. You know, I'm like, I don't know. He won a championship in a year where everybody was hurt for Golden State at the end. And I know it takes some luck, but Durant goes down in the, in, 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 you know, that year uh, they lose Clay Thompson. I mean, they were not the Golden State that we got used to by the time they got to the finals. And he did it with Kawhi Leonard, one of the best players in basketball. You have to have one of those guys. Uh, did a really good job during that championship run, but. You know, I just I'm like, I'm not brimming with confidence that Nick Nurse is definitely the guy, whereas if it's Udoka and even Vogel, I've just got more of a confidence of what Udoka just did last year with the Celtics, which I thought was incredible. Um, the What he got those guys doing uh, and, and the way he got that ship back going again uh, a month or two into the season was amazing. And Vogel's got just a to me, a lot longer track record with now two different teams that he he took uh, to a championship and the other one he took to a conference fight. I just like uh, Vogel's track record a little bit more. And I like exactly what Udoka did last year. And there's just it's something else, Sean, and I can't put my finger on it with Udoka, but he's got a cue. He's got a cue factor that Nick Nurse, like, I don't know how many people know if you if Nick Nurse walked up to Rockets fans on the street, how many of them do you think would even know who Nick Nurse is? <laughs> like, I don't know how many people would know, you know, Udoka either. I mean, outside of the obvious, I mean, Q factor that Udoka I mean, though, I'm telling you, he looks like somebody. And why, I why 
why would his Q factor be so high, Robert? <laughs> when did people know Yudoka's name? You know, it's for that scandal that obviously cost well, him this. Well, he was in the finals, though, last year. I mean, that's, yeah. that's one way that you would know him. But it, he's – I'm just saying there's people that you look at and you go, that guy's got a presence, and I'm going to remember that face. And maybe you don't remember him, but I think if you ask a lot of NBA fans – if Odoka walked up to him in the street today, I think they would be much more likely to know who that guy is than Nick Nurse or even Frank Vogel, for that matter. But especially Nick Nurse. I don't think he's somebody that everybody goes, oh, I know who that is. And it's just you watch the guy on the sideline and Odoka just there's a presence there. There's a presence. And, you know, yeah. it, it's not always something that you can put your finger on what that is. But for me, that, that's what he has. So that's why, like, all things being equal – I'm an Udoka guy, but again, like we said uh, in the last show, this is about the fact that the Rockets, unlike the Detroit Pistons, who are looking at everybody's assistant, the Rockets are looking at guys that have been there, done that. I mean, it's it's sure. impressive. It is. I mean, even for did Scott didn't Scott Brooks coach Oklahoma City uh, to an NBA Finals, right? Yes, yes. He went there with Harden, Westbrook, and Durant. Uh, Sam Cassell as an assistant, he's made some pretty good playoff runs, I believe. Like all of these guys, really, if you look at their resumes, maybe with the exception of one or two, have have an understanding from a career sense, like what it's going to take in terms of helping a team build and getting to the promised land. Right. You know, ma making a deep run in the postseason at the very least. But a lot of these guys have NBA final coaching experience like they've had opportunity to win the whole darn thing if they hadn't done it anyway. Uh, you mentioned, you know, look, these guys are going to have to have, you know, the players to do it. And a little luck goes along, you know, goes along with it. The year that Nick Nurse and the Raptors won the finals, wasn't that the year where Kawhi Leonard had the doink, 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 doink? <laughs> that shot like the four or five bouncer on the rim yeah yeah i think that was the case and that was a little oh, luck too you know what i'm saying but <laughs> yeah and don't forget don't forget with uh both vogel and udoka with both of those guys that you know who, who who've you know both been there as well and done done all that you, you you just can't forget the fact that they're they're players mm -hmm. keep coming out and saying great things like Sure. Udoka le left in ignominy, I guess, in Boston, but for, from the organization. But the players, Jalen Brown and other players on that team, they just rave about him. Frank Vogel, his players still talk about him. They rave about him. Paul George uh, will say good stuff about him. Anthony Davis will say, you know. So I, I want to hear what the Nick, what Nick Nurse, his guys say about him. I want to hear more of that, and I would get some more confidence in Nick Nurse, like because when, when he left the organization. He sort of said, I, yeah, I just, he didn't like these, this particular group of players. He more or less said, and it was something that he didn't say publicly, but his general manager said that he said after they, were, they, were, they had a little going away talk. And to me, that wasn't a good look. And it's not his fault because maybe that shouldn't have got out publicly. But, you know, Nick Nurse, I want to hear what his players have to say about him. That, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's, that's fair, a big deal. but um, it wouldn't at all shock me. Because uh, you never know about the uh, relationship between head coach and GM. Like you saw the one here in Houston and Rafael Stone, uh, <laughs> you know, he, the way he handled that press conference, you know, hours after the news came out of Steven Silas, you know, not returning for the Rockets. 
which was no surprise. But um, one thing stands out like, you remember the part of the interview or the interview that he'd said, well, you know, whatever coach comes in here, unlike Steven, is going to know exactly what they're stepping into, right? Um, and it's just kind of little things like that where Rafael Stone, he didn't have the greatest, you know, word choices in that press conference, but it could have been far worse. Maybe it was a bad moment for the Toronto general manager, you know, saying what he'd said about um, Nick Nurse's opinion, allegedly anyway, of his current players or his former players now. So I'd take that with a grain of salt. I mean, I look at Nick Nurse's track record. How many years did he spend in Toronto? You know, it was 10, 11 years as an assistant and head coach. Like, the guy was there for a long time. I have to believe that a lot of the players that were there over the years, you know, they didn't just cycle through guys. Um, And even if they did, you would have heard some stuff about Nurse already. So you've had opportunity to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I would tend to believe that you're there for that long. Not only are you doing great by the organization, but you're doing great by the players within it as well. So, um, and then again, the success, I think, speaks for itself as well. Um, He's done a great job there. I wouldn't hate it. Wouldn't kick him out of bed one bit, you know, if the Rockets felt like he was the best guy. Um, I won't, I won't, I won't argue with you too much. You know, I know you're a Udoka guy. Um, I, I, I could see, you know, absolutely that being a great fit here for the Rockets. I just have the opinion, like, just have that feeling. I, I don't know that the Rockets would go there. Just in the light of that suspension and everything that was going on, the reason for it, obviously, the infidelity and the whole bit, and maybe there's other things. It's not just that, okay? And I'm not saying that I wouldn't touch him because of that. I'm telling you, I don't know that the Rockets would when given the other options that they do have, guys like Nick Nurse and guys that have, you know, playoff pedigree, championship pedigree, experience, um, you know, and all of the qualities that you're looking for to take a group like this over. So, yeah, if you're asking me to power rank them, Udoka's probably my number one. Nurse is a very close uh, number two. And beyond that, um, you know, we're talking semantics when you get into, you know, Frank Vogel and uh, Atkinson and Scott Brooks, guys like that. So, you know, the Rockets, they said they're going to be pretty yeah, swift on this. Scott Brooks, draw it out, and I just that's the one that I just like. Scott Brooks has coached a lot of other places. Mm-hmm. You, you're you keep talking about him. I don't hear that buzz from the Rockets fans. I don't hear that buzz among people that are talking about who are the real candidates for the job. I keep like, talking I about him because of the veteran chops that he has. He's had opportunities. He's been in places. You know, Washington spent five years. He was in Oklahoma City for, what, six years, seven years, something like that. And, look, he had three superstars, the ability to kind of keep that together the way that he did um, you know, for as long as he did, I think is respectable. I think you have to give him that. And the fact that – um, you know, the type of personalities and the various, you know, sort of styles that you had to play when that sort of thing began to grow. When they grew as players, Westbrook and Durant and Harden, as they were, especially Harden was coming into his own um, and really didn't effectively, you know, become James Harden until he got to be a Houston Rocket, uh, I think is impressive. And so I, I, I want to include him there. I think he's worthy of being in the conversation. Yeah, I just, I just disagree with you because, look, the guy – was just with the Wizards for a while. He's mm-hmm. been around. You don't hear a lot of buzz like, why isn't Scott Briggs a head coach somewhere? 
He's not somebody that's respected as this genius guy offensively or defensively. When you talk about Vogel and Nurse and Udoka, all those guys have such respect because of, you know, their actual X's and O's type coaching ability and not just personality and stuff like that. Scott Brooks, sure. great guy. I think he is a, I think he is a good leader. I, I will give him that. And, I, but I feel like Scott Brooks is more a guy that maybe they could include in a staff with one of these other guys, if they get a head coaching position, if Scott Brooks would want to do that. Um, and, and of course he does have rockets ties. Like to me, mm-hmm. Sam Castell is at least somebody that, you know, he, he would come in and you go, this is a guy that, you know, has a lot of coaching experience, a lot of, you know, championship experience as a player with the Rockets. And I think would energize a fan base. And I think that's going to play a part in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might not think it does Sean, but, but we saw with the Texans, they want somebody that's going to energize his fan base a little bit. And, and I, don't, I, I think if Scott yeah. Brooks was the hire, that doesn't energize anybody in, in Houston. Sorry. No, no. Um, look, hiring a, a legitimate head coach is going to energize the fan base. It's, it's the symbolism. It's what it means, you know, for the fan base to the organization, why you're bringing in a guy that you know is not going to be some one and done slap you know, that's coming in here knowing full well, full well, they're being asked to lose games. But you don't interview three guys with championship and finals, recent championship and finals pedigree, and then go, we're going to settle for this guy that really, you know, hasn't had the greatest track record in the last seven or eight years and and doesn't have a lot of buzz. And no, but it's got to work both ways. You know, again, it's the give and take, you know, you've got to find that guy that wants to be here because it's an exploratory um, you know, situation for guys like Nick Nurse, you know, Atkinson and Vogel. I mean, maybe they're limited in what they know of about a Rockets organization. It's fact-finding for them, too. They've got to make the determination on whether they want to invest the next four, five, six, seven years here as a head coach. So, and if their system is going to fit these players, how much movement is going to have to take place if, in fact, it doesn't? Um, and the Rockets certainly have those capabilities to make a multitude of things happen in free agency and the, the many multitude of options in terms of possible trade scenario. Like, you know, what is going – do you believe in this roster? And if that question is being posed to Rafael Stone, then that means Tillman has all the faith in him to not just – be the guy, the leader still of this roster and its construction, but to work in conjunction with a head clo- head coach, like those two are co-architects now. And is it going to be another two to three year process? Tillman doesn't have the patience for that, and it shouldn't be that long. It's, it's go time now. And they got to find a coach that can put this thing together now, this offseason, be competitive in 2023, 2024. Yeah, 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 of course they do. And, so, and, and, and with Scott Brooks... I just double checked and I, I, I had heard his name a couple of weeks ago, but I was looking and I, I did not see that they definitely interviewed him. And there more of the conversation is about him being on Vogel's staff because those two guys have a little bit of a relationship. Look, I, yeah. I, I would say there's like a 1% chance that Scott Brooks is the head coach of the Rockets maybe, and maybe, yeah. maybe less than that. I mean, it's just, and Sam Cassell, we keep mentioning his because he's a former rocket, but I think there's a very, very slim chance. There's to me the, there's three candidates that you're, we're going to be talking about when it's all said and done. And it's, it's Vogel, Udoka, and Nick Nurse. Those are the guys. Fair. Uh, yeah. In the last five years, all three of them have been to a finals. Two of them have won a championship. Uh, if, if, you, if you got those guys that are interested in your job and interested enough to interview, then you need to hire one of those guys, period. I mean, th- th- this organization needs somebody that immediately brings 
some respect and, you know, some potential as a championship or finals type coach uh, to, to the party. And, and those guys, not only do they bring it, but it's just, it's, it's recently, like we're talking Scott Brooks. It's like, it's, it's the decade ago that he went to a, a finals yeah, or 11 or 12 years ago that he, that he went. Fair. I won't argue with that, but uh, you know, in terms of energizing a fan base, it, it doesn't need to be a, former player i mean it worked for the texans in that regard but no i didn't say i didn't say it did i'm, I'm talking about i'm talking about guys that have won mm-hmm. championships as as coaches like vogel and udoka yeah sure and, and, and or uh, vogel and uh, nurse and then udoka who, who's just back the fact you're making a legitimate move to be again legitimate and a contender that immediately excites a fan base that uh you know to be honest with you I think a lot of it has to play some catch up, man, and learn exactly what they've currently got on this roster right now. They got to familiarize themselves because I think a lot of people checked out. <laughs> I don't think that's too harsh of a statement, too crazy to say. I'm not trying to be hot take, dude. Uh, but a lot of people have checked out on the Rockets the last few years. I know I'm not the only one. Um, they got to familiarize themselves with the, with the players that are on this staff and you get a legitimate head coach in here. Well, the, the players, it doesn't be, matter. Uh, it doesn't matter about well. the players because the players might be a couple of these guys. Some of these guys, a lot of these guys might be moved out. Uh, well, yeah, but those guys being moved, that's not the players I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jabari Smith and Jalen Green and yeah, some, of, yeah, some I, of your I, dudes that are going to be here. I, 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 even if you're a mild Houston sports fan, if you turned into a radio show, I think you've heard Jalen Green and Jabari Smith or, you know, if you've if you read if you looked at anything with the Rockets, you know who I mean. They were top. Oh, three you know picks. the name, but have you watched them? <laughs> no, I don't think a lot of people have watched the crap that they've been trotting out the last three years. Yeah, that that could be the case. Um, yeah, and it's 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 a long road to hoe, but this, we've seen it with the same thing with the Texans. They they've got a lot to show in the next year or two, and we'll see what happens. But thank goodness we're going to have a draft in three days, and we can yeah. get that this disaster. Of a, of a lead up over with because I'm so tired of it. And I, I say it's a disaster because I'm like, enough already. Get it over with. Let's go. Hey, we'll we'll find out, man. And we'll have the post-mortem, you know, before you know it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I just, I couldn't tell you, you know, if you had a gun to my head, you might as well pull the dang trigger because uh, I don't know that I could tell you what they're going to do at 2 or 12 uh, or if it stays at 2 or 12. You know, if, if I'm a betting man, one of those picks is being traded, if not both of them. Um, and I'm, I'm excited just to enjoy the chaos. I think there were what five trades, five trades alone in the first round, uh, six, I think there were six trades in the first round last year and people have put scenarios together that where they could legitimately anticipate seeing four or five scenarios inside the top 10 in which picks are moved this season. So I'm excited to see the chaos unfold. Yeah, I can't. I, I don't even feel like making a bet on who they pick. I, I <laughs> don't make a bet. You're gonna lose your money, my man. Because now Will Levis is the favorite to go number two. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could see like, I could see like ten different things happen in the first round. So I have no idea what they're gonna. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll Albert, talk. Albert Breer finally put out the most logical and just easy to understand tweet earlier today. He was like, you know, all this talk about, you know, who's going to go number two and where now Will Levis is the guy. Follow the money. It doesn't, there's no inside information being leaked. The S2 cognition score being leaked. That just meant, you know what? People are putting more money on Levis. So he moved up. Now he's the number two, which means now you have better odds 
on C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson. Well, in the next 48 to 72 hours, more money could be put right back on C.J. Stroud. So follow the money as always. See you on Thursday, everybody. Take care. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.